a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The program, I am Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike. There's so much happening today. And, and, and I'm in a good mood. Well, that's not true. I am, I'm in a good mood and a bad mood at the same time, if that's possible. I'm in a bad mood uh, because Iowa has uh, delayed us. So we had some plans. We were going to uh, analyze results. We were going to speak to uh, various campaigns. We had reporters embedded out in the field who were going to uh, give us a, a sense of how the different candidates are interpreting the results. Well, <clears throat> that was all for naught. Because last night, uh, when the time came for the Iowa uh, Democratic Party to release the caucus results and for us to see for the first time in this presidential campaign what the real voters want to have happen, at least on the Democratic side, uh, we were denied that opportunity and we remain denied uh, that information. There's a promise coming out of the party now that maybe by about three o'clock we'll have some of the results. But as I was back and forth with um, uh, with Boyd Matheson this morning from Inside Sources, he and I were, were speaking uh, back in the newsroom about how absurd that promise actually is. You cannot <laughs> the caucuses and the results of such are they're measured in terms of percentage. So unless you deliver the totality of the results, they do no they do us no good. And so the hedged promise now of three o'clock today mountain by the Iowa Democratic Party is that they'll give us some of the information. Well, it's just not good enough, guys. You get you every once in a while, and in the case of Iowa, it's every four years exactly, every one thousand four hundred and sixty days, Iowa is relevant. They know their job. It has been known for years and years and years, dating back to the early 80s when Jimmy Carter figured out the advantage of Iowa. Ever since then, they have occupied a position, a unique position, uh, one where they are to set the tone for how uh, momentum will be written, how stories will be told and retold, and how campaigns will interpret uh, reality. Well, they're denying us the reality. <laughs> Iowa is. They dropped the ball. I know it sounds like one of those internet memes, but listen to this. Iowa, guys, you had one job. Anyway, I'm going to rant and rave about Iowa uh, here and there throughout today's program. Later on, let me tell you this. Uh, later on, fascinating, you'll, you know that part of the hang-up, well, we assume part of the hang-up here in Iowa has to do with this new app they used. Uh, two new things this year in Iowa. They have decided to release now three batches of data. That's the first round of voting. Then there's the second round of voting, the realignment or whatever. And then the third uh, bit of data, which they've released historically, is this uh, delegate equivalent. They've got some kind of fancy uh, formula through which they put all the all the vote numbers, and they give us then the delegate equivalent. That's the real number. That's the one by which the victor is calculated and tabulated. But you know, for the for the good of the other candidates who don't exactly come out on top in that third category, uh, they're left with the earlier bits of data to interpret how they will. Now, if I if I, if I remember correctly, it was the Bernie Sanders campaign that pressured Iowa and their party up there very heavily 
to get this done uh, to release all of this data. And so they uh, conceded, and that's what we were promised. Again, we have none of it. And I have now, because of Iowa's uh, shortcomings, wasted now six minutes of your time when I should have been talking about the State of the Union. Let me get to it. The State of the Union is happening tonight. 7 p.m. our time. Uh, We'll carry it here live on this uh, radio station. And uh, the State of the Union is something that dates back to the very beginning of our nation. George Washington offered the first State of the Union, the shortest one, just over a thousand words. And it was, uh, here's here's some trivia. So that was the shortest. Uh, The longest uh, spoken State of the Union was Bill Clinton in 1995. Some 19,000 words he stood up there and delivered. Uh, That uh, that would uh, drag on for a little while. Uh, Anyway, a little bit of trivia. That's a fine. Um, I, you know, because I have repeated it so often, used to be a congressional staffer. I worked out in Washington, D.C. I was a uh, director of communications for Congressman Bishop, uh, who will join us later on in the program, by the way. We're going to talk about hunting and how uh, some hunting numbers across the country are declining. Don't worry, in Utah, we're doing fine. We're still uh, buying hunting licenses just fine. But around the country, uh, those numbers are falling off. Uh, And Congressman Bishop, uh, interestingly, finds himself in the middle of that storyline. So we'll talk to him and figure that out later. But what I'm telling you now, is I used to be a staffer, and we as, as congressional staffers have a number of different resources. The Library of Congress is an incredible institution, and it offers wonderful resources. One such resource is this called the Congressional Research Service. Now, this is not something special for congressional aides. You uh, you pay taxes. You pay uh, federal taxes. You are entitled to all things produced by the government. So this is something accessible to you, uh, the Congressional Research Service. What they do essentially, is research papers. Uh, They, from time to time, if they feel that uh, a certain number of congressional aides or members of Congress are reaching out to them on a certain topic, they will assign someone uh, to do a a study. And then the result of that study is a a big, long report uh, that answers all kinds of questions, gives a good contextual understanding. Anyway, where I'm going with this is this morning I started my day on the website of the Congressional Research Service because I wanted to see what type of historic research had been done regarding the State of the Union Address. And I found this report. It's the history, the evolution, and practices of the President's State of the Union Address. Now, for the very most part, all of this uh, will not be new to you. There are a few interesting little details. Uh, The first one being something I had forgotten. The first time a president addresses a joint session of Congress. Now, what does that mean? It is when both the House and the Senate are assembled together in the same chamber. So that is uh, the State of the Union. It's, It's a joint session of Congress. Uh, also in attendance are the uh, mostly the uh, the justices of the Supreme Court, uh, the president's cabinet, and also you might not know this. Past members of Congress are also invited, and there are certain diplomats who are invited to all be on the floor of the House of Representatives. It's a it, that's a logistical thing. There are, as you know, many more members of the House than there are senators, and so everyone's invited over to the House uh, because they can fit. <clears throat> now, the president has again delivered this from the from the beginning. George Washington delivering the first. And for so, so long, these states of the union or these, uh, you know, presidential reports were delivered in writing. They, they weren't spoken addresses. It wasn't until Woodrow Wilson in 1913 uh, gave the first uh, spoken address. And then uh, things kind of grew from there. The first one 
broadcast via radio airwaves 1923. The first one on the television was 1947. And as we are now in the age of the Internet, uh, it is worth pointing out that the first live webcast coverage of the State of the Union Address was in 2002. Now, let's go through some of the more interesting things. Uh, Remember that show, Designated Survivor? Remember Jack Bauer got a, a second shot at things? Uh, well, <laughs> I know I know, that, I know that's a character's name. I know. Producer Amy's laughing at me. Kiefer Sutherland. I just, wanted, I just needed to show I knew it. Uh, so de- Designated Survivor, not simply the name of a... Is it canceled now? They canceled that show, right? Uh, long since it came. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Whatever. Uh, designated Survivor is an actual thing, and it is... Um, it is someone, uh, most typically uh, uh, someone within the presidential line of succession. So that's like you got the president. If he, for some reason, uh, maybe impeachment, uh, is removed from office, then the vice president takes over. And then there's this big, long line uh, that runs down uh, mostly through the president's cabinet uh, to replace those who vacate the office in order. Anyway, to maintain that there is always someone qualified to assume the role of president in the event of some catastrophe, uh, there is a member of the president's cabinet who is asked to be absent from the State of the Union. And it's not just the State of the Union. There are designated survivors selected uh, all all the time during the president's inauguration or other large gatherings. Uh, There is someone from the president's cabinet, someone within the line of succession who is asked to be absent. The last time uh, in February during the State of the Union address last year in 2019, it was Rick Perry, then Secretary of Energy, was selected as the designated survivor. Listen, uh, uh, we need to take a quick break. I have more uh, details here about the history of the State of the Union, but really what I want to do is share with you what I expect to be shared tonight when President Trump uh, delivers his State of the Union address in the midst of these impeachment proceedings. Uh, This is going to be a pretty unique evening. You're really going to want to be listening to what the president has to say. Uh, I've got some predictions, and they're coming up next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.